Hello and welcome to episode 273 of the Waters We've Learned podcast. Well, dear loyal listeners, um, you will remember, I think, if you, in, in sometime in April, I put up a very terrible, noisy, and but hopefully funny kind of episode uh, featuring our London crew. Well, Theo from Sid Crew is here. Hey, Theo, what's happening? Hey, Rachel, and thank you for having me back on after that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, particularly interesting podcast episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this week is very special because first of all, very soon we will have Remnatal, who is our new EMEA editor, be in London. Um, and I believe uh, as we record this, we're actually going to be picking her up in, in half an hour, yes? Yeah, that's true. Yep. But this episode is also special because it is your first time interviewing for the podcast. So tell us, who did you bring on and what did you talk about? Yeah, this was my first podcast interview. So any complaints, please direct them to Wei Shen Wong. Um, <laughs> and I, I spoke to Matt Barrett, who's the CEO of Adaptive Financial Consulting. He's based here in London. Um, and we spoke about the the buy versus build debate, which he suggested is more of a spectrum than a binary choice. Um, there's some degree of build in in every system, he suggested, and some degree of buy, as you'll find out. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting conversation. Um, and, and I learned quite a lot, um, not least about, you know, what what cloud can bring to the party. Um, and when it comes to sort of flexibility, when you're choosing the sort of buy build route. Well, as you'll know here on the podcast, as well as our, um, well, our website, we love these kind of conversations. So let's get right to it. Hi, and welcome to the Waters Wavelength podcast. Joining me today is Matt Barrett. He's the co-founder and CEO of Adaptive Financial Consulting based here in London. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm very well, Theo. Great to be here. Thanks for coming on. We're going to talk about the buy versus build debate around front-end technology and capital markets today. But before we begin, why don't you tell us a bit about your background and what angle you're coming at this from? Absolutely. So I'm a, a software engineer by by background. I, um, I'm from New Zealand originally. I came to London uh, in 2005, uh, having just finished a master's in computer science. Um, I spent uh, five or six years working in London as a software developer in a range of different industries before uh, working in finance, uh, working originally on um, uh, FX single dealer platform uh, for a French bank that was being built in London. Um, it was at that point in time that I met um, uh, a group of people who went on to become the co-founders of uh, Adaptive Financial Consulting. Uh, and we started that business a little over 11 years ago. We're a, a front office technology provider that uh, is a little bit different from other front office technology providers uh, because we provide a an underlying platform uh, for people to build uh, their bespoke solutions on top. Um, we, of course, can work with them. Um, we have a, a long history as a service delivery firm, a professional services and consulting firm, building bespoke front office trading systems for a range of tier one and tier two capital markets participants. Um, so we come at this from, uh, I guess, somewhere in the middle of of the build versus buy uh, spectrum. Well, I guess the first thing to say is that we, we see build, build versus buy as a spectrum, but I think we'll talk about that a, a little later. Um, we 
provide professional services to, to build things bespoke for clients, as well as having an accelerator that lets us reduce the time and cost of doing such bespoke development. Um, we got into this sort of business because we saw the, the, um, the struggles that people had doing front office technology development. It, it's hard, uh, but also the sometimes lack of good fit that was available with the range of vendor products that were, that were available in the market at the time we started the business. Great. So this this topic is right up your alley then. Um, it is. It is I, th I think about very frequently. Absolutely. Well, set the scene for us. What do we what do we mean when we talk about buy versus build? What what questions might be going through a CTO's mind when they're drawing up a tech strategy? Yeah, very good. Very good question. Um, what what do we mean when we talk about buy versus build? Well, the first thing to say is that um, the topic itself presents as though it's a binary choice that we could either build or we could buy a certain capability. Um, when in fact, um, for any level of, of component or, or system that we're talking about, it, it breaks down into more of a spectrum. We could um, build some parts of it, buy other parts of it, um, and, and piece together a, a solution um, in, through through a range of different, different offerings. Um, I think to help frame the overall discussion, it's, it's useful to set a bit of, a bit of shared context. We are um, primarily concerned here with talking about technology, uh, and a primary feature of technology is its stratification. That is, um, it's useful to think about technology in layers. Um, everyone's very comfortable talking about low-level technology and, and high-level technology, uh, about the fact that you have low-level network infrastructure, uh, high-level user applications, uh, and in, in the middle of those two, two extremes, you have um, a large range of different layers, uh, some provided uh, proprietarily, some available in open source, some that you may build yourself. Uh, so whenever you're talking about buying versus building, um, you are even if you're even if you're um, building, it's not that you would build everything yourself. Um, it's useful to think about it in terms of lower level details being wrapped with high level abstractions. Um, enabling new capabilities to be built on top of that abstraction. Indeed, the history of technology um, software development, particularly over the last 30, 40 years, is um, ever-increasing uh, express expressibility coming about through uh, software development abstractions that um, technology firms, the community, piece together to enable us to build things that were previously not economically viable on top of them. Um, is that a useful way to frame the frame how we think about how I think about buy versus build and the, and the technology stack that you make the decisions in the context of? Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. And and part of the reason that I'm interested in this question is that Coalition Greenwich recently published some research on, on front-end trading technology um, among asset managers particularly. And um, listeners can check out the research. It's in front of the paywall. I think it's called Trading Technology Unveiled. Um, and the study suggested a pattern among boutique buy-side firms, um, where half of those firms use a mix of proprietary and vendor-provided systems, and the larger shops are more likely to favour fully proprietary technology. So the pattern would be that smaller shops tend to start off with a third-party system, and as their AUM grows, they're more likely to invest in developing a proprietary system of their own. Um, so firms are buying and then building, and finally they're integrating those two things together. Is that what you're seeing too? And and if so, what are some common pitfalls in that process? Absolutely. If it, it it is it is what we see. And if you think about the market forces 
uh, and economic factors that drive decision making uh, within any corporate entity, which is trying to, to maximize profit uh, by by maximizing revenue and minimizing cost. Um, it, it makes sense. It's uh, alongside the, the 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 layers of technology that you that you have from um, uh, low level network infrastructure to operating systems up to high level application features. You also have the fact that any given capability itself goes through a, a process of maturation. Um, so a, a new a new idea, a new business capability is encoded in software by someone uh, doing so in a fairly handcrafted way. They're kind of they're kind of building this new idea bespoke in a in a bespoke fashion. Um, and if that idea has has value, um, generates revenue for those businesses, for, excuse me, for the business, generates revenue for the business that that has um, innovated and differentiated themselves with that idea. Then they will still f soon find themselves competing with other firms, um, aping that same capability, probably implemented in their own in their own fashion. So it will be slightly different, but the 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 user value that was created through that innovation that led to dif the differentiation and, th and that firm starting to win business in the market will soon lead to that innovation being copied by others. Um, so we can think about a, a specific capability starting off uh, coming about in a very bespoke fashion. And then moving through to uh, to where it becomes productized. So maybe after a few years, um, the innovation becomes widespread enough that a bunch of product firms have sprung up, selling that innovation as a product, so that market participants can, rather than having to build that thing themselves, simply buy it, deploy it within their own business, and compete in their own market with that with that capability being being consumed as a product. Hmm. If it um, continues to to be, be a successful route to market for those firms consuming that product. Um, we might find some other market forces come into play, particularly in technology. We might find the open source community builds a version of that product, uh, which means that that product, which was previously something that needed to be paid for, is now available more or less for free. You can you can download and use an open source offering um, without paying any licensing costs to the to the community. Uh, and so in th in that final stage of maturation, that capability has become commoditized. So if we think about that that set of that set of uh, a capability and that set of maturation stages, we go back to the original question you posed, Theo, which is about um, smaller firms uh, starting off with, with buying software, so buying a product. Uh, they, if they're successful, they grow uh, and they find themselves needing to, to differentiate in, in a broader set of capabilities to be able to compete in the marketplace, win new business. Uh, serve their customers better. So they find that they've, in a sense, outgrown the product that they were using, and they need to start innovating on top of or around the product to compete in the market. So that's when some new innovative capabilities are created by them in a bespoke fashion, uh, and they end up having to build features and components themselves. Now, it's interesting when firms transition from that, that point. They go from using a product to doing some development themselves to differentiate and innovate in, their, in the markets they've chosen to compete in. Now, it's really unlikely that those firms would say, and I, I use a ridiculous example to, to prove the point, that they would say, all right, we've had enough of this product, we've outgrown it, we need to, to do more. Uh, we need to build a different version of the product to express the capability in a different way to compete. Where should we start? Well, why don't we start with an electricity substation? I mean, it's technology after all, it relies on electricity. We should probably start with electricity. No one says that because people realize that 
electricity is a very undifferentiated part of what is needed to provide technology. And so over time, the, the, the line where people would sort of not question building to below to differentiate themselves, it moves up, the abstraction layer moves further up. Uh, and I think we sit in, in, the, in capital markets at the moment at a very interesting point of inflection. Um, we have uh, sort of existed outside of the, the, the cloud adoption uh, wave that's happened to pretty much every other industry uh, outside of capital markets because uh, the, the business of capital markets, that is of liquidity, of trading, uh, liquidity discovery, liquidity distribution, has for a very long time and, and continues today to remain, to, to happen outside of the cloud. Uh, and I think the cloud is going to be a big enabler for people to change how they think about buy versus build because it's going to greatly increase the abstraction layer upon which people can build capability that enables them to innovate. Uh, and I think it makes sense that the pattern you talked about for firms to move from buying and building and then finally integrating uh, a hodgepodge of approaches together to create a really differentiated approach. I think the interesting thing to talk about is the layer at which that, that has been done and how much that's going to change from, from what was done historically, uh, where people were building their own data centers to what they're doing today, uh, to what they'll do in the future. Mm, so will the cloud make it easier to bolt on new components? The cloud will make it easier to bolt on new components. Uh, the cloud will also make it easier to innovate. The cost of experimentation will be far lower. Um, no business wants to place um, a bet that uh, that costs more than, than, the, the, than the economic return it could generate, even if they're right, uh, which means that there is a, a, a cost to experimentation um, where the, if the cost is too great, no experimentation occurs. Uh, experimentation is what leads to innovation. So as the cost of experimentation drops, I think we'll see a lot more innovation in, in the space as, as firms look for more innovative ways to serve their clients and grow their own market share. Mm. And, and once the firm's decided to build, let's say, a system, what do you think their priorities are in that new system? Because the Coalition Greenwich study, which I referenced earlier, raised an interesting point. It said mm. that um, where earlier respondents might have particularly pointed to um, performance metrics like execution speed when they described their ideal trading systems. Um, they're now also placing a lot of value in ease of use attributes like good integration with other systems, multi-asset capabilities. So that begs the question, is speed old hat? Um, it's, it's, a good, it's a good question. I, I don't think um, speed is, is old hat. There are, we, we still see uh, firms coming to us um, uh, with performance problems, with vendor solutions, open open source solutions that they're using. Uh, for example, um, they they are finding that the, the 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 some some very widely popular message buses that they're using on the uh, hot path of their order flow uh, are no longer performing, and they need to move to something else. Um, but it would also be true to say that overall, the industry has got better at performance. And so other things can start to weigh in into the buying decision. Performance is, 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 not, a, is not a nice to have, it's a must have, but as it becomes more widely spread throughout the, um, throughout the, the vendor market, the products need to differentiate themselves in other ways. Um, so ease of use, uh, and particularly the ability to integrate is a really good one. If we think about the fact that the, the software capabilities are starting to atomize, starting to break apart. 
then obviously the the vendor solutions that you choose you want to be able to kind of pick and choose and and have a best of breed approach where you buy rather than buying a big monolithic uh, vendor provided solution uh, you instead buy a, a range of smaller components and integrate them together yourself or with the help of a system integrator and it's through that that you differentiate um, you may even choose to buy a range of vendor solutions and build uh, on or around some of those vendor solutions yourself to further differentiate and that's something we're seeing uh, become increasingly increasingly common um, but to 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 the overall strategy, um, as long as firms are thinking about um, where they want to differentiate, uh, not just today, but in say three to four years time, um, they will be at least answer, uh, asking themselves the right question. Uh, one of the things we, we see that's quite problematic is that firms think about buy versus build uh, and think about differentiation as a very, uh, as a very static thing. Um, we, we see this in the world of digital transformation. So, so firms inside capital markets have gone on um, a bit of a, a journey of digital transformation over the last 10 years, shall we say. And, and we're increasingly seeing a failure mode of that digital transformation where firms have replaced their internal analog business processes, the way they serve their clients, for example, with digital offerings. But those digital offerings are, are, are fixed point vendor products. So they've, they've bought uh, rather than built a, a solution to provide their offering to the market. And that has left them um, somewhat stuck in time, unable to respond to market pressure because despite being digital, uh, it's unfortunately very inflexible and resistant to change. Um, so they now find themselves having to move off a vendor product to a uh, more of a, a build approach. Uh, and what they're looking for is finding the right level of abstraction to build upon. A level of abstraction that uh, accelerates and enables but doesn't constrain. Um, you can choose from very high level platforms to greatly accelerate, but you often find yourself in a, in a situation um, six to 12, 18 months down the line where you become constrained by that acceleration and you're not actually able to innovate and differentiate uh, and you've just recreated the problem you had previously. Um, if you pick an abstraction layer that's too low, you find yourself with technical teams doing work that is highly undifferentiating. Uh, you're spending a lot of money, uh, but it's not generating you any market value. It's not generating you any competitive advantage. Um, getting the level of abstraction right for your for the platform that you build upon, um, because after all, no one would build uh, electricity substation to start their technology build. They would always build on something higher than that. Uh, it's about where you, where, you, where you set the level uh, and getting that right is, is something that we find ourselves spending quite a bit of time with our clients, helping them navigate the landscape um, and, and hopefully choosing our technology, but much more about understanding where they're trying to be and what the right answer for them is in, in three to five years. So is there always a degree of buy involved in the sense that you're always sitting on top of an existing infrastructure? There is, there is always a degree of buy involved, absolutely. Um, and the cloud is a, is a good example. People used to be think, think the cloud was uh, an, a bit of an anathema in capital markets because we, as an industry, had spent so long building our own data centers, managing our own hardware, um, buying our own lease lines. Uh, now all of that infrastructure can just be bought from a, from a cloud service provider. Uh, and the, the rapidly maturing um, feature set and, and productization of that leads to some of those cloud and compute capabilities becoming commoditized. Um, the cloud service providers themselves compete with each other on higher level feature sets, but the underlying infrastructure 
um, is, is almost commodified and, and can be acquired quite cheaply. And, and you can move between different suppliers, um, almost like moving to, between different water companies, if you will, uh, for those of you in the UK uh, who, who have that ability. Um, but there, there is always a, a level of build, um, although that, and, and where that fits is something to think very carefully about. Sorry, there is always a level of buy and where that fits is something to think very carefully about. Yeah, yeah, that dubious, dubious privilege of being able to switch water company. Um, exactly, yes, exactly. I'm all too familiar. Before, before the old one goes bust, right? You have to yeah. time it right. <laughs> exactly right. Um, well, you mentioned that the decision to buy or build today is a question of anticipating what you'll need in the future. And I know every firm is different, but if you had to generalize, what what is the future of trading technology? Nice, easy question to end on. <laughs> our, our view is, is that the future of, of trading technology is, in, is increasingly cloud provisioned, uh, cloud deployed and cloud connected. Um, there is there is too much pain in the way that uh, connectivity is is performed at the moment. Too much too much cost and complexity, both initial and ongoing. Uh, too much delay uh, and too much vendor lock-in for there to be anything other than, a, than in, in our view, a significant disruption coming down coming down the pipe. Um, the, the cloud companies are spending uh, significant amounts of money uh, to to drag uh, some very large uh, exchanges into the cloud, and and once they are in the cloud, then the ecosystem that surrounds them will begin to follow. And we will see over time a, a, a range of vendors pop up offering capital markets infrastructure as point solutions deployed as SaaS. There's a, a lot of buzzwords there uh, in a way that we is just physically and logically impossible to happen today. Uh, and there are a lot of firms who are using that at um, that inertia and that difficulty in managing capital markets infrastructure. Um, vendor firms, I mean, as a, as a moat to protect their businesses. Uh, and so there is, a, there is a lot of disruption coming uh, and, and firms, capital markets participants, buy side firms, sell side firms should leave themselves open for flexibility uh, and, and not make, uh, in our view, long-term infrastructural commitments um, that don't give them flexibility. There are choices that can be made today that, that do give flexibility. And those are the ones I think that people would be, would be best served to, to take, even if it comes at a premium in the short term. Mm. And does that ability of vendors to offer more um, through the cloud, among other things, does that mean that there's more consolidation likely to come down the road? Do you think? Uh, I, th I think I think that might be the case, um, but I think there is a there is probably a cycle of innovation before we get to get to any con any uh, any consolidation. I think there's going to be uh, disruption, uh, possibly a range of some some um, uh, aggressive acquisitions uh, to defend incumbents market positions uh, but I think that the broader wave of, of innovation and disruption is going to play out um, over the next three to five years that will be the primary driver great well thank you very much for coming on Matt I'm all out of questions great thank you for having me Theo a really interesting discussion cheers <laughs> <laughs>